Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, welcome everybody. Today's guest is truly one of the most captivating voices in all of music today. She's earned two Billboard number one, seven top tens on the Billboard Contemporary Jazz Charts. She's the first vocalist since Sade to reach number one on the Billboard Contemporary Jazz Charts as a vocalist. She was also named Billboard's top contemporary jazz artist two years in a row. And let me tell you, seeing her live is truly a sight to behold and an amazing experience. We are excited to welcome today Miss Lindsay Webster to the show. Lindsay, thank you for joining us today. Woo-hoo, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. How are you doing these days? Oh, man, I'm feeling better as time goes on. You know, shows are coming up. Yeah. We are so happy to finally be getting back to it. It was a wild year for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think for everybody. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, your popularity has just continued to grow and grow and grow. And what do you think it is about your music that has won so many people over? Well, I've always written music just right from my heart. And I've never really thought about it too much. And I've always just let the music flow. And that's just coming from me. Like, I know that I've always just put all of my heart and all of my soul into my music. And I think that that is what people connect to the realness because people will come up to us and they say, your music, your song helped me get through all sorts of wild things that go on in people's lives. Divorces, deaths, disease, like so many things because music is really healing. And so I think that it's really just the authenticity that I try to keep in my lyrics and keep in the music. And Keith Slattery, my writing partner, he's an amazing writer and he's written all the music behind my lyrics and my melodies. So between the two of us, we both put all of our energy and love into our music. So I believe that that has a lot to do with why people connect easily to our music and why we become so popular. Yeah, and it's pretty evident. I remember we had you at our festival in 2019, and of all of the artists we had, I had more compliments and more questions about you than any other artist. And I recall you did Over the Rainbow to close out your show, and people were absolutely mesmerized. Like, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, oh my God, she was just wonderful. She was fantastic. And so, yeah, I think you make a really great point about that keeping it real part of how you guys write that that really touches a chord with people. So that's kind of cool because that's not always the case, you know? Yeah, I know that because I've battled it. People are like, oh, well, if you want to like break out, you need to like write a song like this or write a song like that. And every time I sit down to write a song like that Mm -hmm. or this, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Like I just want to write what's coming from me and not try to fit into any kind of mold, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that that's a battle to, that you have to keep fighting to make sure that you're true to you, right? Mm, yeah. So when you and Keith are going through that process, how do you make sure that your, your inspiration is only coming from you guys and not from other areas? Well, actually, you know, that's kind of an interesting question because I do believe that all of my favorite artists have influenced my sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm 33, so my inner journey is directly connected to my music. And the more comfortable I get with myself, the more comfortable I am writing lyrics that are true to myself. And through the pandemic, I was really forced to sit with myself and be like, wow, so quote unquote, Lindsay Webster is taken away from me now because I'm not 
getting on stage. I'm not doing hair and makeup. I'm not smiling and doing this and that. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh wow, so who am I if I'm not this facade if my whole life is taken away? So that was like a wild thing for me. So I've been writing for my next album and I have to say that it's probably the best lyrics. Wow. The most real and honest. So I can't wait for everyone to hear our next album. Every album I've released is like a little snapshot of that moment in time. And I can listen back to certain albums and be like, ah, I remember where I was at that time. Like, I remember how that's not quite the lyric that I wanted to write, but I just put it on there because I was like, oh, you know, it's just finished the song. But so in terms of staying real to myself, I think that the more I grow, the more I am able to identify who I am and then the truer the music becomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you grew up in Woodstock, New York, I understand. And, yeah, you know, a place etched in music history. And I'm curious, like, what was playing at your house when you were growing up? What were you listening to growing up? Oh, man. My parents have a huge record collection. Uh And so my mom was big into Elvis Costello. Oh, yeah. And George Harrison, The Beatles. My brother is 10 years older than I am. And he was into like, kind of like that alt rock. He had bands all growing up that played in the garage. And then my sister was more into like hip hop. That was like the early 90s back then. So we had like Wu-Tang going on, KRS-One. <laughs> we had, yeah, like, a little bit of everything, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I grew up playing classical music on my cello. So my background of music is really diverse. Clearly. Yeah. And so I love all kinds of music, but thank God, because I think it really did help to evolve my sound that I have today. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's important. So who would you say are maybe your top three or four influences? Well. When I was old enough and like bought my first tape, <laughs> it was tapes back then still. But by the way, I'm actually still in the millennial category. Just to <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> uh. um, so the first tape that I bought was No Doubt. Oh, yeah. You remember that band with Gwen Stefani? I sure do. Gwen Stefani. I renamed myself Gwen in third grade. Okay. And I, I wrote it on all my school papers and I wouldn't answer so I really used to Gwen <laughs> Stefani. And then I was riding in the car with my dad and I heard Mariah Carey come on the radio. And I was like, who is that? And then she was like, let's sing it up there. And I was like, wow, like how does that happen? And then I became obsessed with Mariah Carey. Okay. And that's like basically all I listened to. And I would just try to, I thought her tone was incredible. I didn't really care if the lyrics were corny or not because now I look back and I'm like, and even she admits, she's like, oh, I was like, forced to make these pop records with all these like (laughs) whatever so but then once my case started to expand and more artists started coming to my awareness you know Whitney Houston Franklin but at the same time like I love Led Zeppelin yeah I love Eric Clapton I love Jeff Buckley I love Ella Fitzgerald fantastic but mostly growing up I was really obsessed with Mariah Carey Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Clearly, I think that comes across in your music because like your music is not formulaic. Like I was driving around town yesterday listening to your music and the songs are all very different. Like it's uniquely you guys, but each of the songs, they have a different vibe or different flow, a different feeling, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Because as much as we have like a sound, I do try to 
evolve the sound. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably, too, one of the, the reasons why I think you've become so popular over the last several years is because of that. Because every time we listen to your music, it's another little treat. It's not the same treat as the last time. So that's a cool thing. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I understand you pursued medical school also before you became a musician. So what was it that made you decide, nope, I'm going to be a musician? Well, I always go where the wind takes me, for better or for worse. And I was big into my studies. And so the actual history about this is that I dropped out of high school when I was 16. Okay. And it just wasn't for me. You know, I really, the whole standardized school, standardized testing, I really disagree with that because not one form fits everyone. We are all so different. No doubt. So it didn't work for me. And I honestly, I felt about myself. I was like, I'm a loser. I'm dropping out of high school. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go get my GED and go to college. So I ended up going to college a year early. Okay. College was way better for me than high school. I was able to like dissociate from like the clickiness of, you know, how high school is. Oh, yeah. And college had less of that. People were more serious about things. And so then I started studying. I wasn't sure. I did like 101 this, 101 that. And then I started working for a doctor. And I was like, maybe I want to do this. Because I've always loved science. I've always loved that side of things. So I started studying. I got really into it. I was on the dean's list, high honors. Wow. Yeah. And then I graduated with my associate's degree from community college. And then I went to a state university studying in cell and molecular biology. Wow. That's heavy stuff. It is really heavy stuff. And chemistry scared me. And I was like, I'm great with biology. I'm okay with math. But chemistry was like this whole other world. And just as I was becoming terrified of chemistry, I met my partner, Keith Slattery. And he was like, you've got a great voice and I've got like some gigs if you want to do this. And I was like, man, that sounds great. It sounds wonderful. I was like 20 and I was like hanging out with my friends, getting into trouble, going to school. <laughs> and like, then he was like, yeah, he was like, like, I could have a dinner, drinks and, you know, a hundred bucks. I was like, I can die now. Yeah. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> at that point, at that point, I was like, this sounds like heaven. Uh-huh. Actually, I must have been 21 because I was drinking legally at that point. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was great. <laughs> and we started playing together. And then after a few months, we started writing together. Yeah. And I don't know if you know the history of it, but Keith and I eventually, we were together for 10 years. We got married. Uh-huh. We're no longer together, but we still are working. We're working on my album right now. He yeah. just finished his record. So the wind took me somewhere else and I dropped out of college (laughs) and I started doing music because my passion wasn't my passion wasn't in it anymore yeah yeah yeah. because my real purpose is making music and using my voice to spread joy and to spread the good vibes and I have a gift and I have this gift and it's wild to me because I'm getting more and more comfortable with my gift part of my inner journey Uh and so I'm very grateful that I followed my heart yeah, well, we're grateful too. We're grateful too that you followed your heart yeah. because you really, yeah. your music has made an impact. Why don't we go ahead and take a little listen to some of your music? We're going to take a listen to This Feels Like Forever from Lindsay Webster. All right. <laughs> Thank you. 
was Lindsay Webster with This Feels Like Forever. So tell me, where were you the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? And what did that feel like? Oh, well, it was in 2017. And our first single, Fool Me Once, had gotten picked up by a lot of different radio stations. And Sirius XM was one of them. I mean, it's kind of like cheating because I knew that they were playing our song. So okay. I just like keep it on. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not like I was just like listening to the radio and the song came out. Uh-huh. I was like specifically like driving for hours being like, I want to hear my song. Uh-huh. <laughs> but besides that, which was more like strategically planned for me to hear my song on the radio, in an airport huh. at baggage claim, I heard Fool Me Once. It wow. came on the radio. <laughs> it was so much fun. I was freaking out. My boyfriend at the time, he was like, that's her. That's her singing. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's got to be quite the feeling. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are back out on the road again. And how is that feeling? Compared to other people, we're still kind of more slow. Like my friend, Eric Darius, he's like everywhere right now. So is Adam Pauly. They got a million shows. But we are kind of taking it a little slower. And we've had a couple of shows and they've been amazing. They've been great. Starting this weekend, we have like shows for like the next month or so. And then it slows down a little again in September. But this is okay for me because working on the new album. Yeah. And you know... It's like, I don't want it to be too shocking to like be thrown right back into it because it was shocking enough for it to all be taken away that one day. It was like one day life got canceled. And then like, we weren't sure what was happening and slowly but surely it's like everything got taken away. So I feel like easing back into things is like all right with me Mm -hmm. because our schedule in 2020, it was about to be our busiest year yet. I was looking at the schedule and I was thinking to myself like, Whew, that's a lot of 3 a.m. lobby calls. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> getting from one city to the next sure. because we book Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like sometimes it was California to Florida, uh-huh. Florida to like Ohio. Things are definitely coming back and it feels amazing. The shows Good. that we have had, like our first show back was at the Seabreeze Jazz Festival. Uh-huh. And that is like the biggest gig that we do, period, every okay. year. It's like usually there's like 7,000 people who come in. I think wow. it was like four or 5,000 this year. And it was like, I was actually like nervous because I'm like, geez, like I haven't performed now for a little over a year. Can I still sing in public? Yeah. Am I, gonna- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that that sounds ridiculous, but taking all the time off and not sure. singing like, because my voice, like, it's gotten, like, better and better the more that I was singing and doing yeah. live shows. And I was like, I was like, man, what's going to be? And then my voice was just, like, super on point. I was just like, man, it was great. And it made me really excited for the shows that are coming up now. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I know I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks in Louisville, Kentucky at your concert there. And I can't wait. It'll be my first opportunity to get out and see some live music since the COVID thing. And so mm-hmm. I know I'm very excited about it. So. Oh, yeah, me too. I can't wait. It really brings me so much joy. (laughs) Yeah. You can tell when you're on stage that you're getting joy from it because you seem to be in just a, it almost seems like some sort of a metamorphosis takes place, right? Like having met you before and talked to you before you went on stage and then on stage is this all of this power in that voice. And so it just seems like something comes over you and you're going for broke on stage, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I can't even help it. Sometimes I look at pictures and like, 
you know, it might not be the most flattering picture, but I'm like, well, at least I was saying. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like like putting all of my might into it. Yeah, that's funny. It's true. I don't leave anything behind. Yeah, that's evident. So A Woman Like Me is your current release, right? Yeah. Sounds like a very personal title. So is there something in that title that's very personal? Yeah, absolutely. Talking about like the constant, I feel like we're all always on our journey, like from the outside to the inside, because if you're not right inside, then the outside is not going to be right. Such a great point. And as much as I've known that, I grew up in Woodstock, super liberal area. I learned meditation when I was in third grade. I've always known about like how important it is to feel good on the inside. But a woman like me, I was going through my breakup with Keith and I moved fairly quickly into a new relationship. And I was just battling a lot of things like just saying like, who am I? Am I happy? Like, are the decisions I'm making for me? I'm being criticized about things about myself that I've never been criticized for. And that's necessarily a bad thing. But the actual song, A Woman Like Me, is kind of like, it's like a take it or leave it. It's like, listen, I can be up, I can be down. I can be strong, I can be weak. And like, if you really love me, then can you handle all that? Because this is who I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was kind of like a sarcastic song in a way. Uh-huh, you know uh-huh, what I mean? Like uh-huh. kind of like, well, this is it, man. And so that title track, that's the last song that was written for the album. We were going to call it One Step Forward, which was a single that we released off the record. Because that seemed like a positive, like, like upbeat. I look back, and like I said, before albums are like a snapshot in time. And a woman like me, as much as I really love those songs, I wrote a lot of those songs in a very, you know, I was going through a lot when I was writing those songs. I had just left my ex-husband. I moved to a different state. Okay, wow. I was telling myself that I'm strong enough to do it all, but I was ignoring a lot of my inner stuff. And so I found myself depressed, confused, a lot of stuff. So I look back on that album and I'm like, you know, songs like Perspective. Yes. Song like Rain. That is like, Rain is more accurate depiction of like the vibe that I felt when I was writing that album. And One Step Forward, even though it sounds positive, it's still a little bit sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because One Step Forward, Two Steps Back, that's genuinely how I was feeling. I was like, man, what's going on here? And so for a while, I couldn't even listen to that album because it reminded me of such sadness. And then COVID hit. The album came out two weeks after COVID. I was like, I hate this album. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, not really. But there was a certain part of me that emotionally was so distraught when I wrote those songs that when I heard the songs, it just brought me right back there and I didn't want to hear it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't want to get brought back there. It goes back to what you said earlier, though, about that keeping it real, that authenticity. And even though creating that music was a journey for you, people like me really get a chance to enjoy it because it's so authentic. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was so successful. So let's listen to another song. Let's listen to Only You off of that release. So here's Lindsay Webster again with Only You. Only you can 
So, Lindsay, how do you know when a song is ready for the world to hear? Hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. Well, normally the last thing that I write is the bridge. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I can't come up with the bridge, then I'm like, okay, maybe this song isn't ready for the world. I don't know why it is. Like, the first verse is always, like, the first thing that comes to me. And then, based off of the first verse is what the chorus is about, the hook. And then the second verse is, like, reiterating more of whatever I was talking about there. Sometimes I can't even get a second verse down. Like, I have a great song that we just wrote, and it's called Love Himself. Okay. And the first verse in the chorus is pretty much all I have to say about the situation. Uh-huh. So that song probably won't ever come out. Okay. You know, okay. because it's not a whole song. I don't know. It's, gotcha. So for me, the song is ready when I have finished exactly what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. 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 You know what I mean? I do indeed. I do indeed. Mm-hmm. So what's going on in your head when you're just before you're about to walk on stage and you got a packed house? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Hope my voice is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> because the voice is a tricky thing and it's affected by how much sleep you got, the humidity in the air, what I ate. Did I eat cheese the night before like an idiot? But honestly, the more I realize what affects my voice, is it's all psychological. Truly, it's like 80% of it is psychological. You know, if you have a sore throat, there's not much more you can do, even though it's so funny because I've sung some of my best shows when I'm sick. Huh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My voice is strong as can be, and I'm so, so grateful for it. It pretty much is unfaltering. But yeah, when I'm about to walk out on stage, always it's butterflies. I'm always nervous. But then when I realize, like, wait a second, this is an audience full of people who are your friends. Exactly. And, whom, and who support you. So it's always a mixture of excitement. And I've learned now to dress ways that are comfortable for me because if I'm wearing an uncomfortable garment, then I won't be in the moment. And so you won't see me on stage without this one pair of shoes that I wear because they are comfortable. If you look at all the pictures for the last three years, I literally have five pairs of the same shoes for when the next ones wear out. Wow. Because they're cute, Uh they're black, they go with pretty much everything. And they're like a solid heel. I can't wear stilettos because I'm always like worried I'm going to fall over. And they're like these like chunky heels that I wear. So I've learned how to be comfortable on stage because it's no fun to walk out and be like, man, is this top going to fall down? Like, Yeah, sure. Is this dress too short? Is the front row going (laughs) to... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So making sure, like I've learned ways to make my performances Number one, just comfortable. So all I have to worry about is delivering a good vocal performance and connecting with the crowd without having to have other things on my mind. Awesome. 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 So when you're not busy making music, how are you spending your time? Mm, Well, I love to write. I love to read. Mm -hmm. I love doing physical activity. I love hiking and running, biking and stuff like that. I am really into meditation. So I meditate at least an hour and a half every day. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And honestly, right now, the most important thing in my life is my inner peace. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And finding my balance. And I've really learned a lot of cool techniques for meditation. And I've learned a lot about quantum physics and epigenetics. Because, like I said, I'm super into the science of things. And so, It's really exciting to me because I have 
discovered that the more time I spend on my mind and my energy, the better my life is becoming. And and my bad days, even they still come. Like yesterday, I was just really, I could hardly figure out what to do with myself yesterday, but it's not even as bad as it used to be because now I understand energetically what's happening in my body. And I now have tools to utilize to get me out of different funks and different like dark places that I can get into. Probably uh-huh. most everyone can relate to that, you know? Absolutely, they can. And so this is the first place that I will be announcing this, but I am going to be starting my own podcast. Fantastic. Yes. And I've already recorded an episode and Nathan East is my first guest. Awesome. And the subject is nothing to do with music. It has to do with consciousness and awareness. Wow. That's fantastic. And mental health, because it's really important. It's really important to me. I've lost too many friends to drug addiction. I've lost too many friends to depression, suicide. And I think that I'm good at talking about this stuff because over the last few months, I've really delved deep into this. And a lot of people are like, Lindsay, you need to be using your speaking voice in addition to your singing voice because your message is very clear and you have a way of explaining what you've learned to... This is just my friends talking to me. They're like, you should make a podcast. And I'm like, I still haven't created my first episode fully. I have the recording with Nathan and I have to like do my intro. So being on this podcast today, it's actually inspiring me to like go to the studio after this and go ahead and record my intro and make my first episode. So yeah. Well, it's (laughs) awesome that you're doing that because I think, and you, you referenced this before, you made a comment about if you on the inside are not right, nothing else can be right. And I think that now certainly it's great that a light is being shined on the importance of mental health and the fact that for so long, it was so unfortunately so taboo to even talk about that subject, right? But everybody goes through things and everybody needs to know that it's okay to go through things and find your way out. I had a friend, you know, after I was going through a period of loss, I lost both my parents and one of my friends within a year of each other. And one of my friends said something that was so profound to me. She said, go through this, allow yourself the grace to go through this. Just don't get stuck there. And I think that's so important for us as individuals. We have to allow ourselves to feel what we feel, be what we are, but then figure out our way to transition and move on to whatever is next or whatever we learn and grow from. So I think it's fantastic that you're doing this. So I'll be looking forward to checking that out soon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to get stuck because emotions are energy in motion. If we are these beings that are made of energy, you know, we're like mostly energy. (laughs) Wait, maybe I should just save this for my podcast. We're about to go off on hold. (laughs) Don't get me started. Don't get me started. But I will just say this. Oftentimes our energy gets stuck. Our emotions get stuck in our body because we're reliving things. And if our thoughts are energy and our awareness are our thoughts and our awareness is constantly on a thing like losing our parents and you're reliving that, your body doesn't know the difference between the actual event and the thought of the event because it's the same chemical response that your brain is given to your body. And that's like a whole podcast in itself, but it's actually great information to have because then once you realize that, you say, oh, wow, well, I'm going to change my energy now. I'm going to think more positive thoughts. Of course, you're going to miss your parents. Of course you are. But this world that we live in, it's all very impermanent. And it's like, I look at my daddy as like, I get to experience him while I'm here. Yeah. And 
yes, one day he will be gone. And as much as I am afraid of that, I can't be that way because then it will take me out of my present moment with my dad and my sister and my nephew and my dog and myself. Yeah, We are all impermanent and it's easy to say that's scary, that's scary. But wait, what if it's beautiful? Yeah, right, right. What if we really, truly remind ourselves that life is beautiful and death is beautiful too? Because now at this point, I really believe that our energy just goes somewhere else. And I'm not sure what happens, but I know that we are energy and I know that our physical body will go back to the earth, but our energy goes up and around. And whether you call it God, Allah, the universe, you know what I mean? Like no matter what you call it, we are all one. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's profound. So we have this little segment that we like to do on every show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It. So if you're about it, it's something you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you ain't just quite feeling. So, <laughs> okay. Are you up for playing? Sure. All right. So, we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. I started yeah, this body body. If you body, get them up. I mean, you body body. That I mean, you body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, Lindsay, your category is movies. So, doubt it or doubt it, horror films. Mm, Doubt it. Yeah, okay. Why don't you like horror films? Well, because, like we just said, if my thoughts are emotions, (laughs) I don't want to have any of that stuff anywhere near my reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) See, your answer is way deeper than my answer about horror films. I'm a doubted on horror films too, but I just think they're stupid. You know, it's like the same thing happens every time and you see it come in like 10 scenes before it happens, right? So it's like, I'm not going to waste my time on that. No way, no way. Uh, yeah, and then it's like, it gives you that like anticipation of like, he's around the corner. I don't want to feel that way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't spend any time on those either. Well, let's do one more. How about the movie The Godfather? Ever watch that movie? What oh, do you think? That is a, about it, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is an artistic thing to that movie. I've always been intrigued by the whole mafia scene. And even though it's a horror film, there's something just really poetic and beautiful about that film. And I love all the acting. Marlon Brando, Al Pacino. Yeah, yeah. All those characters. I just think that movie is brilliant. Absolutely. A masterful piece of storytelling. I agree with you. I agree with you. That's one of those that I could sit and I could just watch it over and over and over again and still not get bored. Absolutely. So you've had an opportunity to collaborate with several other artists. And is there somebody out there that you would love to work with that you haven't had a chance to yet, but you're dying to work with? Oh, man. Yeah. Have you heard of Shalaya? I sure have. I remember her from some Kirk Whalum stuff that she did with Kirk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've always envisioned us remaking the Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston duet. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be awesome. The Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Because, you know, I love Mariah Carey. I've always been compared to her. I joke and say she was my voice coach. And I know that Shalea is big into Whitney. So I've always envisioned that happening. Yeah, so I love her. I love Jared Lawson. I would love to collaborate with Jared Lawson one day. Are you hip to Jared Lawson? I was just listening to Jared Lawson yesterday and thinking, I got to book him for this podcast because that dude is fire. That, man, mm-hmm. that voice is something else. Oh, have you seen him live? I have not. No, would love to. He's even better. Really? 
Really? He sits there and he plays that piano uh-huh. and he sings just like the record. There's not a single bad note that that boy sings. It's like, he is unbelievable. I had the opportunity to see him perform a couple of times. We did a joint show up in Portland where he's from. Okay. And not only can he just sing, he is the most humble, sweet guy. That's cool. Yeah, he is a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Big fantastic. Fan. And more in like the bigger world, Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, that would be amazing. I love all sorts of artists. You know, I'm always gravitating towards the singers. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I hope we can make some of these things happen. You can make some of these happen because I'm looking forward to them. Man, yeah. you and Jared Lawson, you and Shalea, you and Stevie. Hey, I'd be right down for all of that. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. So when you collaborate, is it just about doing business or do you make try to make time to connect with the people you collaborate with to get a chance to know them, have some fun? Or is it just you guys are all so busy, you got to do your part of this, I got to do my part of this, and we're on to the next thing? Hmm. Well, all of the people that I've collaborated with, like I'm friends with. Mm-hmm. So there's that connection already, like the Rick Braun song that I did. I don't know if I met Rick at that point, but my manager, Bud Harner, is they're on the same management team to the one who the people who manage him and myself, Chapman Management. So Rick and I, we are buddies. Yeah, okay. In addition to doing the work together. And we were just in LA a few weeks ago. We went by his house, was where he's making a new record right now too. So we were able we were able to sit there and watch and listen. So that went way beyond the collaboration. My friend, Lynn Roundtree, I just did a song with him and it's probably one of my favorite songs ever. I love it so much. It's more of like an R&B kind of pop vibe, but more than like a jazz, jazz thing. So that was really, really fun. And he is my pal too. David Benoit, I did a song with him on his release, David Benoit and Friends. And we have a show coming up at the Burks Jazz Fest together. And I'm sure that we're going to be buddies too, because he's really good friends with my manager and anyone who's friends with my manager, I love them. That's <laughs> because awesome. My manager is so cool. Yeah. He's got a really good judge of character and people that he keeps close. And David's a friend of his. So I'm excited to finally meet David. So for me, the collaborations so far have been, you know, it's, it's a relatively small world we have in our little jazz community. Sure. You know what I mean? So sure. pretty much the collaborations it's more than just like making the music. We were too busy to talk much about it. Like, yeah, we definitely have good connections there. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, let's listen to another one of your songs. This one is Close to You by Lindsay Webster. Close to you 
just the way I am Seems that that's the way that you like it best Never break me, break me You know I'm doing all I can To keep all this love from pouring out I can't wait to get close to you And baby I can't see
we just heard Lindsay Webster with Close to You. So, Lindsay, I'm wondering if there's something your fans would be surprised to learn about you. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, probably. I used to be an EMT and a firefighter. Really? Wow. What was that Mm -hmm. like? Wow. That was pretty wild. I only went into one burning building. And that was for a training. Okay. So then I actually moved and I was no longer on that fire department anymore. But a lot of my experience was with the EMT. So I was in, I drove an ambulance for a long time. From the time I was like 17 to 19, I was doing the fire department EMT thing. I can sing opera. I was asked to study opera specifically huh. by this famous opera coach. I was young. I was like 15. I was living in New York City at the time. My mom was wild. She liked to have a good time. So she would bring me down to like the clubs down in the East Village. And there was this one called Marie's Crisis. And all the Broadway people would go there after their shows. And there was a piano player and they would like do songs. And so I would go down there and I would sing. And this one lady, she was like, you have to study opera. She was like, you have a, such a rare opera voice. It's so beautiful. She's like, you could be a huge opera star. I was like, nope, sorry. Don't like opera music. Huh. Like, even yeah, <laughs> even yeah, though yeah. I, I can sing it. Like, I'm good at it. But like, I don't like get down to like opera. I'm not yeah. like, oh yeah. yeah. I like to hear like <laughs> R&B and funk and soul music. So I didn't take that route. But I also learned a couple songs in the opera training category and so that's also a little thing that people might not know yeah yeah well thank you for sharing that well we got one last question i like to ask this of all of our guests so you're having a dinner party you can invite any three people you want to be there living or not who's at your dinner party Hmm. well my mom because she's not living probably dr joe dispenza who's really an amazing doctor who has done all this research on what I was talking about earlier, like metaphysical stuff, Uh uh, supernatural things, and Martin Luther King. Oh, those are awesome. Those are awesome. Good, good, good. (laughs) So what does the rest of 2021 and 2022 hold for you? I know you're working on a new project and what else is going on in your podcast? Yeah, I'm working on my podcast. I am continuing to do these live shows. And my most important thing for all, everything that follows is my journey on the inside. Yeah, It's crazy. It's like, it's like nothing else becomes important once I find my inner peace. And the moment nothing's important is the moment everything comes to you. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. That's so true. And so I'm working on strengthening my friendships, my relationships with my family, making sure I'm present and just having a great time along the way. Good for you. Like that is my plan. I cannot wait for these shows. I can't wait for my newfound inner peace and inner journey to translate because I just know that it's going to affect my live shows just as much as it's affected my writing. And we're releasing an EP this fall. Okay. It's going to be called Library Lane. Ah, huh. And uh, we're doing an EP this fall, doing another EP next spring, and then going to release a full album in the summer comprised of all those songs plus a few bonus songs. Great. Just trying to keep things funky, you know, just trying yeah. to keep things interesting. Like, uh, I'm kind of bored with the whole, like, you release an album, you wait a year and a half, you release an album, you wait. The music industry is changing. You can do anything you want pretty much now. I'm pretty sure. I'm not a 
100% certain, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be releasing this music independently on our okay. own. Okay, great. Yep. We've been with Shanaki for my last three albums. It's nothing to do with them. We love them, but it's business, baby. So it's like, if we can do it and we're waiting on some information to come in. And if, so if we can do this, then we are going to do it on our own. And that gives us the freedom to release an EP this fall and then an EP and keep the music more constant rather than keeping people waiting. Because for me, when an album comes out from an artist that I love and then I, I listen to it to death and then I'm like, well, dang, now it's going to be another year until any more new music comes out yeah. from them. You know what yeah. I mean? So I want to keep that. It also kind of helps to keep us current and in people's minds and people's conversations. Yeah, well, no doubt about it. And so I got to tell you, we will look forward to that new music and everything. And I got to tell you, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today, Lindsay. And we oh, wish man, you all the best. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast with you guys. Absolutely. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you on the road at concerts <laughs> and listening to your podcast real soon. So all the all best, right. Lindsay. Okay. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Backstage.